All right. Well, for sermon prep this past week, I watched not one, not two, but three Creed movies this past Monday. Uh, binged through those, started at uh, 6.30 in the morning, knocked out two from 6.30 to 10.30, and then the, uh, the third one that night, but I was like, man, I gotta have a lot of context as to what I'm talking about here since we're jumping into the, to the third movie. And uh, if you've never seen the movies, and I would actually recommend them, it's one of those trilogies where like all three movies are actually pretty good. Uh, this trilogy centers around the life of Adonis Creed, who goes by Donnie. And Donnie is the son of the boxing legend Apollo Creed from the Rocky movies. And really the first two movies in the, the series kind of explore his, his rise in the, the boxing world as he's being trained by boxing legend Rocky Balboa. And he overcomes all these obstacles, all of this adversity, climbs the ranks in the boxing world, and becomes the heavyweight champion. But Creed III starts with a, a very different tone than the first two movies. He's no longer trying to prove himself to the world. He's no longer trying to make a name for himself. He has reached the pinnacle of, of his career. He wins a rematch against his only career uh, defeat. He remains the undisputed heavyweight champion. And then he kind of sails off into the sunset and, and retires from, from boxing uh, to focus on his wife, to focus on his young daughter. And he opens up this boxing academy to train up the, the up-and-coming boxing stars. And everything is going great for Donnie and his family. He's arrived. He's got it all. But of course, this is where the movie takes a bit of a turn. His childhood best friend named Damien shows up unexpectedly. And Dame was a, a Golden Gloves champion as a teenager. He was someone that Donnie looked up to and, and admired. And Dame was supposed to be the next great uh, boxer, the next great superstar. But he had spent the past 18 years in prison. And now he's coming to, to Donnie to try to restart, to try to resume his boxing career. So Donnie invites him into his gym and, and allows him to train with some of his other fighters. And all of Donnie's friends, all of his family, they're a bit leery about this. They can tell, like, this, this guy has got a past. They're, they're a bit skeptical. They feel like he's kind of a, a wild card. But Donnie does everything he can to give Dame a chance, including setting up a, a title shot with the best boxer from his gym. And nobody understands why Donnie is doing so much for Dame. Why is he he's sticking his neck out for him? Why is he helping him so much? But we start to see these flashbacks to back when Donnie and Dame were, were teenagers. And one night, they're, they're driving home from this boxing match, and they, they stop at a convenience store. And Donnie ends up getting into a fight with this older gentleman, and Dame comes to kind of his rescue, and he pulls out a, a gun to try to protect him. And as all of this is going down, the, the police show up. And Donnie, he runs, and, and he gets away, and Dame gets arrested that night. And that's the last time Donnie spoke to Dame. He never reached out to him after that night. And you start to realize in this movie, as it goes on, that Donnie has been carrying around the guilt from that night. And rather than confronting this guilt, rather than dealing with this guilt in a, in a healthy way, he starts to make some really poor decisions that compromise his, his family, his friends, his career. And the movie really explores him processing through this guilt that he's carried around for years until he's forced to kind of face it head on and go against Dame and the ring. And Creed Three is really a story 
about dealing with and overcoming guilt from past mistakes. You know, in church, we, we tend to talk a lot about forgiveness. You know, forgiveness is a, a big theme of our, of our faith as, as Christians. But anytime we talk about forgiveness and, and relationships, it's almost always in the context of us needing to forgive someone else of us needing to, to extend mercy and grace to somebody who's wronged us, who's, who's hurt us. We talk about you know, forgiving others the way that Jesus has forgiven us. And this is important because we have all experienced hurt. We've all had to offer forgiveness to somebody in our life. We've all been the victim of, of an offense at some point in our life. Man, but what if we have wronged somebody else and our need of their forgiveness. And what do we do then? And honestly, I, I feel like we don't do a very good job in church talking about forgiveness from this perspective. We don't talk about making things right when we are the one who's done something wrong, when we are the offender rather than the victim. And, and maybe, maybe I'm alone in this, but I know that I've needed to receive forgiveness just as much as I've needed to offer it if not more. Man, I've needed people to show me grace, to show me mercy because of the way that I've treated them that times. And my guess is you can think back to a time where you've needed somebody to forgive you because of something that you, you did, something that you said, maybe something that you, you didn't do that you were supposed to do, and maybe what you did, maybe what you said damaged a really important relationship in your life a relationship with a friend, a relationship with a family member. And ever since that, that, that situation went down, that relationship has never been the same. Maybe that relationship ended. Maybe that relationship is, is awkward. It's damaged. But rather than dealing with that guilt from that offense, rather than owning up to it, rather than, than trying to make it right, then you've been carrying around the guilt from that mistake. You've been carrying around the, the guilt from that broken relationship in your life. So today, we're going to talk about dealing with guilt from our past mistakes, specifically guilt from a wound or a hurt that we have caused someone else in our, in our life. And we're going to look at some unhealthy ways of dealing with guilt that we're going to see from, from Donnie's character in the movie, Some Unhealthy Ways. And then we're going to look at some healthy ways to deal with the guilt that we carry that we're going to find from God's word. Man, so what are some unhealthy ways to deal with guilt? I want to give you two this morning. If you're taking notes, the first one is this, is to ignore it. Ignore it. You now, in Creed 3, we see Donnie ignoring his guilt. The guilt from not having his friends back the night uh, where he was arrested. The guilt from never reaching out to him, never uh, you know, checking in on him and trying to restore the relationship. He's just kind of buried it. He suppressed it. He's never told anybody about it. And he's just hoped that it's going to go away on its own. But that guilt that he's been suppressing for, for years and years and years, it starts to spill out in the other areas of his life. Man, it starts to impact the way he, he treats his mom, the way he treats his wife, the way he treats his daughter. He starts to make some really poor business and career decisions. And the guilt from this offense from 18 years ago, it just won't go away by itself. Man, but how often 
do we do the same thing? Now, when we hurt someone in our life, when we say something or we do something that we know is wrong, that we regret, rather than just addressing it in the moment, rather than just owning it, rather than just trying to to make it right and dealing with it, man, we ignore it. We bury it. We pretend like it it didn't happen either because of our, our pride you know, we don't want to admit that we did something wrong. We don't want to, you know, own up to it or, or because of embarrassment. Like we're embarrassed by the way we behaved or the way we acted and we, we don't want to approach them or out of awkwardness, the situation is just, just awkward now, but we bury it and we hope that it's just going to go away on its own. So we don't have to ever address it. So sometimes we even try to, to excuse it away. We come up with, with rationale in our mind as to why what we did was okay. You know, you know they deserved it. You know, they're being too sensitive. They took it the wrong way. I didn't really mean that. I was having a bad day. And we try to justify our behavior. We try to justify what we did so that we don't feel bad about it. So that we don't feel guilty about it. We try to do whatever we can to put the blame, put the responsibility back on the person that we've hurt. Man, but here's what we need to understand. Unaddressed guilt. And guilt that we've buried, guilt that we've tried to ignore, it's like a poison for our soul. And we can ignore it, we can suppress it, we can pretend like it's not there, but it will eventually start to spill out in the other areas of our life. Sometimes that can look like not being able to sleep at night, have you ever been there where, where you know, night after night, you're, you're waking up and you're thinking about what you said or what you did or how you treated a person? Or stress and anxiety over a, a broken relationship in your life that you carry around? Or you're always trying to avoid certain situations because you don't want to run into that person. You don't want to see that group of people. You don't want to be in a room with them because it's awkward now. Or you're, you're self-medicating to try to numb the pain and the guilt over what you did, but guilt from an offense that we've committed, it doesn't just go away on its own. It doesn't just magically vanish. And this is especially true if we are believers. Man, if we have hurt somebody in our life and we have not pursued reconciliation, if we haven't apologized and asked for forgiveness, man, the Holy Spirit, living inside of us, isn't going to allow that to just go unchecked. Man, he's going to continue to convict us until we make things right. But the longer we bury it, the longer we suppress it, the longer we go without addressing it, the worse it gets, the heavier and more intense that guilt becomes. And we can't just ignore it and hope that it goes away. And maybe even today, you, you are carrying around the guilt from a broken relationship, from something you said, something you did that happened years ago. And you know that guilt has not just gone away. It doesn't just vanish overnight. The second poor way of, of dealing with, with guilt is trying to make up for it. And in the movie, what you see is that Donnie's doing everything he can to try to help Dame out. He gives him opportunities he hasn't earned or hasn't deserved He makes excuses for his poor behavior and and tries to to apologize on his behalf, and he gives him a shortcut to a title fight. And why is he doing this? Why is he going out of his way to help Dame? 
Well, what you see is it's not because he really cares about him. It's because he feels guilty for what he did. And rather than than dealing with his guilt, rather than addressing it, rather than asking for forgiveness, he tries to atone for his guilt by making it up to name. It's essentially restitution. He's trying to pay him back for his wrongdoing. And this puts Donnie in a really vulnerable situation that Dame starts to take advantage of. Man, but don't we do the same thing at times? You know, when we make a mistake, when we hurt somebody, instead of just apologizing in the moment, instead of just owning it, instead of just asking for forgiveness, man, we try to make it up to them. We, we, we try to pay them back because we feel like, man, I, I owe them something. We feel like we're, we're indebted to them. You know, instead of just, you know, apologizing to your spouse for, for being a jerk and just saying, hey, I messed up, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Instead of doing that, we go around the house doing a bunch of chores, trying to, you know, get back in their, their good graces, trying to, you know, level the, the playing field. Instead of just apologizing to, to our child because we lost our temper and just owning it and sitting down and saying, hey, mom made a mistake, dad made a mistake, will you forgive me? We go out and we buy him something to try to smooth it over. You know, instead of just apologizing to, to our boss because we, you know, missed a deadline or messed up a project, we feel like, man, I need to go and work extra hours and I need to take on more responsibility to, to try to make things even. We try to make it up to them. We try to pay them back but this can create some really unhealthy dynamics in that relationship. And it can put you in a situation with somebody where they start to take advantage of that guilt that you're carrying around. And if you're not careful, it can lead to a lot of resentment, a lot of frustration on both sides as you feel like, man, I need to make it up to them. I need to pay them back. And they just continue to expect more and more and more because you've never apologized, you've never owned it, owned it, but you feel like you have to make it up to them. Man, so if we don't ignore it and bury it and suppress it and hope it goes away and we don't make it up to somebody and try to pay them back for our wrongdoing, and then what do we do? What's a, a better way to handle the guilt from an offense that we've caused somebody else? I want to look at at a couple healthy ways of dealing with guilt that we find in in Scripture. And to do so, I I want us to look at what I think are the most important verses, the most important passage around this idea of making things right with somebody that we've hurt, with somebody that we've we've wronged. And it's actually found in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in in Matthew chapter 5. So if you have your Bible, you can can flip open there. We'll have the verses on the screen as well. Uh, But here in Matthew 5 through 7, we have a collection uh, of Jesus's most famous sermon, uh, some of the the, the greatest teachings he ever offered. And here he speaks specifically to a situation where we have hurt, we have wronged somebody, and we need to make it right. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24, Jesus says this. He says, therefore... If you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. So back in in the time of, of Jesus, the Jewish people would often bring gifts and offerings, and they were typically, you know, some kind of animal sacrifice to the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, This was commanded by the the Mosaic law, and it was their way of seeking fellowship with God. 
It was their way of trying to restore their relationship with God whenever they, they sinned. And this was a really important religious act for them, a, a ritual that they would do often. But here, Jesus adds this really important qualifier for this religious act. He says, look, if you're getting ready, you're at the altar, you're getting ready to, to give your gift, give your offering to the Lord, and you remember, it pops into your mind that, that you have something, uh, an issue between another brother, another sister, man, they have something against you. I want you to leave your gift, leave your offering at the altar, I want you to go and be reconciled to them, and then you can come back and present your gift, your offering to the Lord. Now, for us in our context, you know, we can kind of just breeze by that and not really think a whole lot of those verses because we're not in the same uh, kind of religious system where we're bringing these animal sacrifices. Uh, but for Jesus's original audience, when they would have heard that, they would have been thinking, you're joking, Right? Because for them to prepare an offering and transport it to the temple, this was no small task. You know, Jesus' audience here, they lived near the Sea of Galilee, which was 75 miles away from Jerusalem. And there were no airplanes, there were no cars, there was no Uber. This was a 75-mile journey on foot. This was a three- to four-day journey. And they would have been traveling with their sacrifice, likely a, a lamb or some other kind of animal. They would have had to go through all kinds of different ceremonial cleansings and, and washings. Man, this wasn't giving to your church online from your couch, where it's like, hey, I'm going to give my offering. You log on your phone, click a couple buttons, and you're good to go. You know, this was really involved. This was a time-consuming process. But Jesus tells them that if they remember an offense towards a brother or sister while they're at the altar, he says, I need you to, to leave your gift. I need you to leave the animal at the altar and I don't know if they had like a boarding service available for animal sacrifices while they, they left, but he said, I need you to travel all the way back home, all 75 miles. I need you to find the person that you've wronged, that you've offended. I need you to be reconciled to them. And then I need you to travel back and present the gift and the offering to the Lord. And I'm sure they're hearing this and they're like, man, wouldn't, wouldn't it make more sense, Jesus, just for us to, to offer the gift now since we're already there and then go and be reconciled to them? I mean, wouldn't that save us a lot of time? Wouldn't that save us a lot of inconvenience? To which Jesus would say, yeah, that makes more sense. And sure, that's a more efficient use of their time. But Jesus isn't concerned with what makes the most sense or is the most efficient. He's concerned with what God cares most about. And God is more concerned about our reconciliation with people that we have hurt than our offering. And this was a profound idea from Jesus, that the horizontal, meaning our relationship with other people, is just as important as the vertical, as our relationship with God. You see, God cares deeply about the way we treat other people. God cares deeply about us living at peace with others. And if you read the gospel accounts, if you read Paul's writings, you see this over and over and over. When Jesus was asked, hey, what's the most important commandment? 
He said to love the Lord your God with all that you are and to love your neighbor as yourself. 1A, 1B, you can't separate the two. You can't, hey, I love God, I'm good with him, but I'm a jerk to everybody else. No, no, no. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself, both the vertical and the horizontal. Listen, God has no interest in our offering if we haven't been reconciled to a brother or sister that we have sinned against. Meaning that God isn't interested in our, in our singing, in our serving, in our giving. If there is a brother or sister in Christ that we have wronged and not sought reconciliation with. And so not only is reconciliation more important than these religious acts. It's a prerequisite for our religious acts to be accepted by the Lord. Our singing, our serving, our giving, they are empty, they are hollow if we haven't pursued peace and reconciliation with somebody that we've hurt, with somebody that we've wronged. This is a big deal to God. He cares about our relationships with others. He cares about us living at peace with other people. So then what does this look like? Man, if we have wronged somebody, if we have hurt somebody, how do we deal with that guilt? How do we seek peace and reconciliation with somebody that we've wronged? I want to give you two things. The first one is this, is that we own it. We own it. The first step in dealing with the guilt of hurting someone is to, to own it. We don't ignore it. We don't bury it. We don't suppress it and just hope it goes away on its own. No, we bring it to the surface and we shine a light on it. And we acknowledge that we have done something wrong. We acknowledge that we had a part to play in the offense. We had a part to play in the relationship that has been broken. And this requires a real level of humility. And we, we've all met those people, you know, who won't own up to anything. They'll never admit to, to doing something wrong because they have too much pride. It's always the other person's fault. They're always the victim. It's always, the, you know, someone else is always to blame. But in order for us to own our offense, to own our wrongdoing, we have to be able to take an honest look at our life. At the words we spoke to people, at our actions, at our emotions, at our motives, and acknowledge when we have mistreated or wronged someone. We have to acknowledge it. We have to own it. And then we need to pursue reconciliation with them. And here's what that looks like. It means we go directly to that person, not somebody else. We're not talking about it. We're not gossiping about it. We go directly to that person, and we apologize to them. We say, I am sorry for whatever it is, and we're specific about it. It's like, hey, I'm sorry about that thing that happened a couple weeks ago, or sorry, you know, about that, you know, what, 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 what went down, I didn't really mean it, no, no, no. Man, I'm sorry about when I said this to you. Man, I'm sorry that I lost my, my temper on you. I'm sorry that I, I wasn't honest with you about the situation. We, we, we apologize and the apology doesn't come with any excuses attached to it. There's no you know, qualifiers or conditions. There's no, I'm sorry, but dot, 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 dot. Here's your part in it. Here's what you did. Here's why I did it. No, no, no. We own our piece of the offense. 
And listen, nearly every situation that we, we face in life, nearly every situation has two offenders and two victims. Sometimes there is one offender and one victim, like in the, 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 the case of abuse, one offender, one victim. But most of the time, both parties had a part to play in the offense. Both people had a part to play in the broken relationship. And I'm not saying that, that we need to take the blame for the entire thing. I'm not saying that we should own something that we didn't say or that we didn't do. But whether we're responsible for 10% of it or 50% of it or 90% of it, we own our piece of the offense without making excuses. We say, I am sorry. And then we ask for their forgiveness. Now, I am sorry about what I did. I am sorry about what I said. Will you forgive me? We own it. We do everything in our power to restore the broken relationship. We pursue peace and reconciliation with that person. But then here's the next part, and this is key. Then we release it. We own it, but then we release it. You know, towards the, the end of the movie, Donnie agrees to, to fight Dame. He, he chooses to, to own up to his guilt, to, to face it head on. And before the final round of the fight, his trainer, he, he looks at him in, in his eyes and he tells him, he says, let go of the guilt. Let go of whatever was. You see, Donnie had done everything he could to try to make things right with Dame, and now it was out of his hands. It was out of his control, and he needed to let it go. He needed to release what he had done. And listen, when, when we hurt somebody, when we wrong somebody, when we mistreat somebody, our responsibility is to, to acknowledge it, not to ignore it, not to suppress it, to acknowledge it, to own it to go to that person, to, to apologize, to ask for their forgiveness, to pursue peace with them, to pursue reconciliation. But then at that point, it is out of our hands. It's out of our control because we're not responsible for their response to our apology. We're not responsible for how they respond when we ask for their forgiveness. Listen to what Paul writes in Romans twelve eighteen. He says, if it is possible... If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And here, Paul's assuming we're not going to be able to live at peace with everyone. I mean, there are going to be times where we seek peace, where we seek reconciliation. We own it. We apologize. We ask for forgiveness. We honor the Lord in the way that we handle it. But they won't be reconciled to us. They don't want peace. They refuse to forgive, forgive us. And when that happens... Man, we can't continue to carry around the weight of that guilt. And because we don't owe them a debt anymore. We don't have to pay them back anymore. We don't have to make it up to them. No, the ball is now in their court, and we have to release what we did, what we said to the Lord, and surrender it to him and trust that the Holy Spirit is going to do a work in their heart and lead them to a place of forgiveness, lead them to a place of mercy and grace. Our responsibility, we, we acknowledge it, we own it, we apologize, we ask for forgiveness, and then we release it. 
We surrender it to the Lord. It's in his hands now. You know, about four years ago, I was put in a, a really just awkward and messy situation between my, my best friend who I, I worked with and one of our, our bosses. And there was a real um, pretty serious conflict between my, my boss and, and my friend, and I was kind of stuck in the, the middle of it. And uh, man, I didn't want it to impact my job. I didn't want it to impact my, my career. And my friend reached out to me just trying to process through what was going on. And I was pretty much like, man, I, I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to be in the middle of this. You're kind of on your, your own with this. I, I, I don't want to be, be in the middle of it. And I just kind of put my head down, pretended like nothing was going on. And it was really about self-preservation. You know, I didn't want to be caught in the, the, the line of fire. I didn't want it to, to reflect poorly on me. And my friend ended up going through a pretty rough season for several months, um, a season where he really needed a, needed a friend, not to, to take his side in the conflict, not to, to defend him, but just somebody to, to talk to him, somebody to, to be there for him. But I wasn't that friend because I was trying to protect myself. And he kind of ended up just walking through that season by himself. You know, a few months later, my, my friend, uh, he took another ministry position in a different state, and he moved. And, you know, we would talk every couple months after he moved. We'd catch up on the phone. We would text. But I would never bring up what, what happened. I tried to ignore it, tried to pretend like it didn't happen. And I was just kind of hoping that it was just going to go away on its own. But I was carrying around the, the guilt of the way that I had treated my friend. And the Holy Spirit just kept bringing it to my mind over and over and over. There'd be a few weeks or maybe in a couple months that would pass and I wouldn't think about it. But then randomly, the Holy Spirit would bring that to my mind, the way I treated my friend. And for over three years, man, we never talked about what happened. We, we, we never talked about what went down. But back in July, actually while I was driving up here to, to Ohio to, to move here, I was going to be driving, driving solo for 16 hours. I had a lot of time to think, a lot of time to process. I uh, picked up the phone and called my friend and talked through everything that had gone down, you know, three and a half years prior. And, you know, we, we hashed everything out. I acknowledged kind of what happened. I, I, I owned my piece in it. And I apologized to him for not being the friend that I, I should have. And I asked for his forgiveness. Man, he graciously, in that, in that moment, he didn't have to think about it. He didn't have to wait. He extended forgiveness and grace to me. Forgiveness and grace that, that I didn't deserve. Man, are, are things the same as they used to be? No. And I, I'm not sure if we'll ever get back to that kind of place in our relationship. The, the, the trust there between us has, has been broken, but we have been reconciled to each other. There is peace in that relationship. And I'm no longer carrying around the guilt of the way I treated my friend, the guilt from what I did, because I know that I've honored the Lord in that relationship. I owned it. I apologized. I asked for forgiveness, and then I, I surrendered it. To the Lord. And I, I just wonder today, is, is there someone that you need to be reconciled to? 
Is there somebody that, that you need to pursue peace with? Because of something that, that you said, something that, that you did, maybe it just happened in the last couple of weeks, or maybe it was, it's something that's happened for, for you know, years ago. And, and, and you don't even know how you would bring it up at this point. You don't even know how you would approach them. And my, my encouragement to you is that this week, man, you reach out to them and, and you make it right. And you, you own it. You, you apologize for what you did. You ask for their forgiveness. And then you surrender it to the Lord. Where you don't have to carry around the, the, the weight of that guilt anymore. Or maybe you've been ignoring it and suppressing it. Maybe you've been trying to make it up to them for years, feel like you're indebted to them. No, 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 this week, you finally make things right. You pursue reconciliation. You pursue peace the way that Jesus has commanded us to. And you see, here, here's why things like peace and reconciliation are, are even possible. Because they're, 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 they're hard things. And when you look at our world, you don't see a lot of peace. You don't see a lot of reconciliation. Here's why it's even possible. Because our greatest offense in life has not been against another person. Our greatest offense has been against a holy God. And the Bible tells us that, that all of us, we have all fallen short of God's glory. We've all fallen short of God's standard of, of perfection. And the consequences, the consequences, the wages of our sin, of our brokenness, is eternal separation from God. But here's the good news. Jesus made the first move towards reconciliation with us. Jesus made the first move towards peace with us. And, and, and Paul writes this in Romans chapter five. He says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we've been made right with God through faith, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Now, how can we be reconciled with God? How do we have peace with him? It's not by ignoring our sin and excusing it and making excuses for it and just pushing it down and pretending like it's not there. It's not by trying to, to make things up to God and pay him back because it's a debt that we can never pay on our own. No, the way that we are reconciled with God, the way that we're made right with God is by owning our sin, acknowledging it, repenting of it, saying, Lord, I am sorry, will you forgive me? And then receiving God's free gift of forgiveness. Listen, you don't have to carry around the guilt of your sin. You don't have to carry around the, the shame of, of what you've done. You can be forgiven. And you can live in the freedom that our God graciously offers to each and every one of us, not because of anything we've done, not because we deserve it, not because we've earned it, but because of what Jesus did on our behalf. Jesus made a way for us to be made right with God, for us to be made right with other people. We don't have to live in hostility towards God anymore. We can have peace. We can be reconciled to God. So for some of you this week, man, you need to make a phone call. 
And you you need to show up at somebody's house. You need to reach out and you need to make things right. You've been carrying around the the guilt of what you did for for far too long. But for some of you today, man, you need to be made right with God. You need to experience the, the, the peace of God in your life. Be reconciled to him. And we would love to help you explore what that looks like, to take that step of going from being an enemy of God to a friend of God, lost from God to experiencing God's freedom and his forgiveness and his love in your life. And we've, uh, we've got a team called our Next Steps team in the back of our room here. And uh, during this next song after service today, we would love to have a conversation with you about what it looks like for you to follow Jesus, for you to receive the forgiveness that he freely offers to each and every one of us. Let's pray together. Father, we, we thank you that you've made a way for us to, to be forgiven. That we, we've carried a, we all carry a debt that we can never pay off on, on our own. But God, we thank you that you paid that debt on our behalf on the cross, taking on our sin, taking on our shame, taking on the punishment that we deserve so that we could be made right with you so we can enter into a relationship with you. But God, I, I pray that that wouldn't just stop with our relationship with you, God, but that it would overflow and extend to our relationship with other people. God, we thank you for, for the reminder, Lord, that, that our offering, our sacrifice, our gift, Lord, it means nothing, God, if we have hostility towards other people, if there are people that we have hurt and wronged that we've not pursued peace with. So God, this week, I pray that you would give us the, the courage and the boldness to make things right with somebody that, that we've hurt, with somebody that, that we've wronged. God, that we wouldn't carry around the, the, the guilt and the shame any longer, Lord, that we would own it, that we would apologize, that we would pursue reconciliation, and Lord, then that we would release and surrender that to you. God, give us the courage, give us the boldness to do that. Thank you for the way that you love us and that you forgive us. To the name of Jesus that we pray, amen.